Lagos Talks 91.3 and Corporate Shepherds presents the man of the hour. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Enang. This is Navigate with I.D. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome, my dear friends. And what can I say? But I hope you all had a great Easter. And um, the holidays, like, will always deliver for those that will rest and those that would go about their normal chores. Welcome to reality. And we are back to the work time. I bid you welcome to Navigate with ID. Such an honor and privilege to share with you today. And at the same time, I'll also give glory to God for the gift of life. Thank God that you and I are alive. And we are not taking that for granted. Friends, this is your business school on radio. And as you know, what we are trying to do is to educate ourselves, put ourselves on a knowledge pedestal where we can become better people, better managers, better business owners, and better understanding of our environment. We've been looking at the subject of sales as a discipline. And within that nomenclature, we are looking at concepts that actually aggregate to make sales or that aggregate to make the sales function what it is. Over time, we've talked about trust, the common ground. We've looked at the, the dimensions of negotiation. That was our last topic. And it was very interesting and quite useful um, to many. Thank you for your feedback to those that wrote in concerning the dimensions of negotiation. I really found that quite interesting. And today, I want to move or shift gears to another concept which we utilize in the course of sales. Sincere credits to Josh Hoffman for also leading me with the appropriate literature that would help one go through a world-class business education. And that's what we are doing. Friends, today I want to start with a subject called Buffer. B-U-F-F-E-R. You know, when you look at all the extenuating circumstances, we talked about common ground earlier. Common ground ensures that every deal is in the best interest of all parties involved. For the benefit of those who are just joining us today and may just have tuned in accidentally, let me take um, a sidestep and share with you what we had discussed about common ground. In the previous episodes, we talked about common ground as a state of overlapping interest between two or more parties. You should think of your available options as they circle around you. Your prospects have a circle of available options as well. Your job as a salesperson or someone that is sharing a service is to find exactly where those circles overlap, which is much easier if you understand what your purchasers want or need. And in going through this process where there is some interlocking interests, some overlap, but at the end, it results in an offer and it also results in some form of exchange of value or payment, then you can say common ground is at play. And so when we look at the word buffer, it speaks to the fact that common ground would ensure that every deal is in the best interest of all parties involved. However, there may be parts of that agreement or discussions you're having when one party's gain is the other's loss. For example, if you are interviewing for a job and you attempt to negotiate a higher salary, any increase in your salary is necessarily the employer's loss. You know, if you know what I mean. So as you are asking for more and they are trying to get you for less, whatever you pitch and that comes at a higher level than what they estimated, would of course be seen as the employer's loss. Depending on the situation, these aspects of the negotiation can be tense. You want to push for as much as you possibly can, but if you push too hard, you risk torpedoing the deal and permanently harming your relationship with the other party. Very many times in such cases, it is helpful to work with someone who can help you negotiate a good deal without risking the relationship. Herein lies the word buffer. 
a buffer is the third party empowered to negotiate on your behalf. Friends, we all need buffers in our lives. Is that third party that will stand in for you that you would empower to negotiate on your behalf? And what are the examples of buffers we have in our society? Agents, attorneys, mediators, brokers, accountants, and other similar subject matter experts are all examples of buffers. But do we appreciate or know them to be buffers? I'm sure you're seeing this or this perspective for the first time. When I talked about buffer, you always have taken your mind to a place where, you know, it's something you're keeping uh, just in case it fails as an extra. I need a buffer stock. Being salespeople, a buffer is not necessarily that extra stock. It's about a third party that is empowered to negotiate on your behalf. This is a business school and there are things that we have to bring to the table that you may otherwise not have seen or understood. So welcome to the world of buffers. Buffers who have expertise in specific types of negotiations can be extremely valuable in helping you get the best deal possible. So if you're going through some form of transaction and bearing in mind we talked about the three dimensions of negotiation and those dimensions sit around the guiding structure, which is the setup, the structure. And of course, with common ground, you need to have a discussion. Many times, most of us are not equipped to take on those conversations. And that's why we need a buffer. A buffer could be your mediator, could be your agent, could be your attorney, could be your accountant. You don't have to know everything about arcane topics like tort law, tax policy. If you enlist the help of a very honest and capable buffer. Now, when a professional athlete is negotiating a contract to join a professional sports team, he or she typically enlists the help of both an agent and an attorney. The agent's job is to obtain the best possible compensation for the athlete. And the team's manager and owner know this. They can forever remain positive about hiring the athlete, even while the agent plays hardball. At the end of the day, the athlete's overall compensation is improved despite the agent's fees. So it is something that we all require. So you need to look at your business. You need to look at your own workspace and look at areas where you do not have a good sense or a grasp of certain disciplines. It tells you you need a buffer. Talking about professional athletes, or even if you want to put in their footballers, the same thing happens with the athlete's attorney who can argue for the inclusion or exclusion of certain provisions in the proposed contract. An attorney can make these proposals with much greater force and effect based on their knowledge, experience, and expertise. Together with the agent, the attorney can work with the team owner and manager to ensure that the athlete gets the best deal the team is willing to accept without adversely affecting the athlete's reputation or goodwill. Let us make this a bit more practical. Very many times you find business owners or business executives get into deals. And what do they do? They take on the place of the attorney. They take on the place of a manager. They take on the place of a finance or accounting expert. They take on the place of the broker. But one thing they forget is that they may not necessarily be versed in those areas. But I'll tell you, if you're listening to me today, even if you are going to pay rents and your landlady or landlord, as we term them, give you some form of document to read and sign, 
it's important you get an attorney to look at it. Very many of us do not have a sense of law. So you need an attorney. Why? Because of the knowledge, the experience, and expertise. Now, just as we've done in this case, we all need buffers. As simple as an MOU, a memorandum of understanding that is being sent to you to proofread and also sign. You'll do well to do a quick check with your attorney. Now, many of us would say, but I cannot afford an attorney. But do you have a friend who is an attorney? Within your committee, a committee of friends, and within your committee which we serve, whether in church or in whatever circle, you must have an attorney. There are so many attorneys, just like we have medical personnel. It doesn't cost you anything to check in. But most of us do is to keep quiet and we believe we know. We go read it with our own myopic lenses. But when trouble shoots, we all start looking for the attorney to bail us out. All because we want to dodge payment of some form of realities. Friends, you need a buffer. Buffers can also be useful in order to add some time or space to a high-intensity negotiation. Whether you're going for a landed property, you want to buy a house, you want to buy a car, or you're taking up a lease arrangement, or your employment contract, as much as you can say that you have an idea what to expect, it's important you share that with some person who will serve as your buffer. I've had mentees of mine who have come to me after the fact to say, sir, so-so-and-so company, um, I got hired as XYZ. And um, two months after, they are not giving what they had said they would give in the contract. And the question I always ask them is, how come you're coming here after, or rather, how come you remember me when you are in distress? You thought sharing this document with me would enable me to see how much you earn? You failed yourself. Well, you have to go through the rungs of the consequences, and the consequences sometimes can be very dire. But there are some others who, even in the process of having the conversations with the supposed you know, companies, do share everything all through the stages, and you're able to give them guidance. We are able to tell them these are the things you need to ask for at your level. Because of the nature of the business in which they play, you are entitled to X, Y, Z. Ask for it. This is the time to ask because the minute you get into the boat, you will lose your right to ask because this document will be going live. That's the place I can play as a buffer. That's the place every other person can be a buffer to you basically sitting as the mediator or an agent to help you walk through times where you're going through a negotiation. And that buffer is a third party that is empowered by you. So friends, as I'm saying to you, in your business world, in your learning, it's often quite useful not to be the party who has the final say. Being able to say, I need to discuss this with my agent, accountant or my lawyer before giving final approval on any deal is a valuable check step that prevents hasty or unwise decisions. In this age and time, it's important that you're very mindful of incentive cost bias. I'll talk to that or speak to that sometime later on in the course of our business studies. An incentive cost buyers when working with the buffer. Now, depending on the arrangement you have, your buffer's priorities may be very different from your own, which is natural. For example, real estate agents act as buffers between the sellers of the property and potential purchasers. If you're looking to buy property, it's often useful to work with a buy-side agent provided you are aware of how they are compensated. It's important you always know about the compensation line 
because there's an incentive caused bias. Agents are typically compensated on a commission basis, as you and I know. So it pays to be wary if you're using them on the buy side of a deal. The agent is compensated if and only if a transaction actually occurs. So you know that that agent is working mostly in his own interest because he's on a commission. It could be 10% of the buying price from you, a selling position. They're selling to you or you're buying from them, but the agent enjoys a certain commission. So the higher the price, the better for the agent. Accordingly, their first priority is to complete a deal, any deal, regardless of whether or not it's actually a good deal for the buyer. So you have to be very circumspect when going through a buyer-side agent. A buy-side agent has his own. Whereas if you're on this other side, maybe you want to sell your property, then the agent will equally look for a way to do the same. So, but the difference is that you would have given a markup price or a price to say, I want to sell my property at X Naira. And so he, of necessity, does not go beyond the X Naira. But in some cases, some people try to be smart by half. And what they say to the agent is, I want you to give me the net amount of X or Y Naira. Whatever you sell this product, whatever you put on top, whatever markup you put on top of it, that's your business and that will be yours. So the agents will go to town. They'll mark up in such a way that it's impossible to actually sell the commodity or the good or the service. And what happens? They of their own necessity, they begin to take it down, but they never go below the asking price that the owner had put on the table. Nevertheless, you would always find that if you are not careful and if you don't employ the services of a buffer who can give you some insights, you may be the one that will have the rough end of the stick. But if at all possible, it's important that you work with a buffer who's willing to accept a flat fee in exchange for services rendered, whether or not the deal happens. If your buffer will be paid regardless of what happens, their interests will be more closely aligned with getting you the best deal possible, which actually enhances their own reputation. So you get to a point where you have a buffer who is willing to be paid a flat fee regardless of any service and whatever price. That individual organization would always have an enhanced reputation because you'll be proud to share his or her business contact with others. Don't let your buffer replace your own informed judgment. One of the worst things you can do is to relinquish control over your decisions to your buffer, particularly if your interests aren't exactly aligned. I find many people with due respect to our dear attorneys and lawyers, when they are about to go into negotiations, for example, about equity, maybe it has to do with shares of a company, maybe it has to do with the holding part of the company, they may leave such decisions to their attorneys to make the final call. That's not the proper way to go. Never relinquish control over your decisions to your buffer especially if your interests aren't exactly aligned. Many unwary investors have found their savings depleted by giving carte blanche control to investment professionals. That goes with another group. Don't give an investment professional an open check and tell them to feed on whatever they feel works well and they can always take monies from your account and buy XYZ investments in a certain venture on your behalf, you may just as well have signed out your life insurance. So it's important to know that investment professionals themselves 
are compensated every time a security is bought or sold. Whether you know it or not, it is hidden and it is written. Investment professionals are buffers themselves. They pose it and take a clear position that they are supporting you. Yes, they are. But I tell you, what they are making is never visible to you. But they'll be probably making five times more than you are even making in the course of your investment. That's why they remain who they are. A mystique. But they give you all the bells and whistles. But never relinquish control. That I say to you, you must know that fervently. By churning the account, a broker is legally able to rack up thousands of naira in unnecessary fees. But as a rule of thumb, please, I repeat, don't give anyone unfettered control over decisions that directly affect your money. Buffers can be a hugely valuable resource as long as you are clear about how they will be rewarded, what they are responsible for, and how you intend to work together. When you have all of that sealed, signed, then you can actually deliver everything you want in a clear and present perspective. Now, there is a concept I'm going to step into. We'll take this, and I know down the road we're going to have to take a break shortly, but I'd like to introduce a topic or the concept of reciprocation. Marcel Mao said, gifts are never free. They bind the giver and receiver in the loop of reciprocity. What is reciprocation in sales or in business? Reciprocation is a strong desire. Most people feel to pay back. Favors, gifts, benefits, and resources provided. If you have ever had the experience of receiving a holiday gift from someone you didn't send anything to, you know how uncomfortable this will feel. We just ended the Easter celebration. Imagine if you just got a holiday gift from someone you don't know. How would you have felt? If someone benefits us, we like to benefit them in return. That is the essence of reciprocity. What Marcel said, and I quote again, makes everything come to light. Gifts are never free. They bind the giver and receiver in a loop of reciprocity. Now, you're going to look at this as something very mundane. Yes, it is, but serious. When you look at reciprocation as a social force. It is one of the primary psychological tendencies that underlie human cooperation. The you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours instinct is extremely powerful and forms the foundation of friendships and alliances. So in the art of selling or in sales as a discipline, because Apart from selling some good or service, we are all in the business of sales. And one thing that comes very well in this context is reciprocation. A good gesture. Someone has done something great for you. You would always have that person in an emotional space that is positive. You may call it an emotional bank account, which I translate as EBA, EBA, that emotional bank account stays somewhere in credit. So because you scratched my back, I will have to scratch yours. Sometimes I don't need to mention it. But I'll tell you something. This is one of the concepts that got to me my early days of life. How? One of my best all-time movies, which I still love very much, is The Godfather. When I watched The Godfather Part 1, Part 2, and Part 3, and I read the book by Mario Puzo, I saw that the main act in that movie, Marlon Brando, who was The Godfather, it was all about reciprocation. 
whenever he had an opportunity to save an individual from a seeming terrible situation, either with the mafia or whoever, unscrupulous elements, he would tell the person not to worry. You can go. The Godfather never forgets. But someday he will come at your door and then he will say to you that you need to is an act of reciprocation. You will remember how he saved you or your family from something, something dire. You will be in a position to want to reciprocate. Nations, countries go through this gesture of reciprocation. You may not see that you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. It does happen. Everybody does this. It tells you that it's an innate social force that binds many and binds what we call the human cooperation. It oils it. So if we get deeper into this space, you'll understand what I mean. But let's take a pause now. We'll be right back, friends. It's time to just take a break. Let's pay some bills. And when we get back, we'll continue with the concept of reciprocation. And of course, this is your business school on radio. So we'll be right back. This is Navigate with ID, brought to you by Corporate Shepherds. Welcome back from the beautiful time we had, Easter period. And I'm, I'm happy you are alive just as I am uh, to be able to share. Friends, at the first um, half of this program, we looked at a very interesting topic. We started with um, buffer, the word buffer. And uh, don't forget that we've been looking at the sales discipline and looking at our professional and business lives within the ambits of sales. What are those concepts that we actually take for granted that we do not either know or do not exercise caution as we walk through, we started with buffer. And I said that um, in all extenuating circumstances, you require common ground to make every, day, every deal fall in place. However, you need a buffer in most cases. And that means, depending on the situation, there are aspects where the negotiation can get very tense. You want to push for as much as you possibly can, but if you push too hard, you could torpedo the deal and permanently harm relationships with other parties. And so to help you in that whole melee, you need someone who can help negotiate a good deal without risking the relationship. That person or personality is a buffer. We said a buffer is a third party empowered to negotiate on your behalf. Could be an agent, could be your attorney, could be a mediator could be a broker, could be your accountant or any other subject matter expert. They will serve as buffers any point in time. We then moved on to look at the concept of reciprocation, which was very interesting. I know some of you are very excited when they hear, you know, um, parts of what I had to say. I said that reciprocation is a strong desire. Most people feel to pay back favors, gifts, benefits, and resources provided. For example, if you've ever had the experience of receiving a gift from someone you didn't send anything to, you know how uncomfortable it can be. However, if someone benefits us, we like to benefit them in return. Reciprocation, it is a social force. It's one of the primary psychological tendencies that underlie human cooperation. It's what we call, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours, instinct. And it is extremely powerful. And it forms the foundation of friendships and alliances. Therein, I brought in The Godfather. If you've ever watched or read the book, The Godfather, it is my all-time movie, all-time book. has taught me loads and loads of lessons. I still have parts one to three of the original talked in my library. And very often... I do get it out and just to watch and learn because there are lessons in The Godfather. Particularly, talking about how Marlon Brando, that he was the one that acted The Godfather, showing extreme dimensions of reciprocation. If you want to learn a lot more, 
Um, you better watch The Godfather. I think it's the all-time great. Um, subject to individual persuasions, but I'll tell you, don't start looking at how and what the behind the scenes, but take the lessons to understand what reciprocation can do for you. It is, I repeat, an extremely powerful form and foundation of friendships and alliances. But some of you will say, no, I don't really understand this. Okay, let me go straight to your security man. Or maybe you have a security man that lives in your estate. Yes, he's paid every time. He's paid every month. His job is to ensure that he secures the estate or opens the door or the gates for all of you to come in. You call him a gate man. If you are six of you in six flats there and you are the sole person who refuses once in a while to appreciate his gesture by saying, giving him a tip, you might come back one day very late and the man will find that he's asleep. So you come back after 12, maybe there's some rule within the confines of your estate that come 12, the gates will not be opened. That security man is the chief of staff at that point. He's the commander-in-chief. And then you may, of your own volition, have decided to be stingy. You will come back, you can honk till the next day, he will not answer you. But to some other person who would have of necessity appreciated him by giving him tips every once in a while, he would have formed the foundation of friendship an alliance between himself, his family, and the security man. The beauty of reciprocation is that it actually ties along with those that are with you. If you are good to someone, members of your family will enjoy the goodness of your extreme gesture. If some other neighbor who typically gives him a tip comes back at the same past midnight, he will open the gate gladly and say, welcome, sir. That is reciprocation, friends. Friends, historically, gift-giving was how the powerful remained in power. By throwing lavish parties or generously awarding titles and land, leaders increased their influence by amassing a store of favors that could be called in during times of need. Do you think all the awards that are given or titles that are given are just given? It is a form of reciprocation, and it is within the ambits of sales. You don't understand what psychological warfare can do, but I tell you, psychological tendencies that offer some form of extreme uh, friendship and connection, sitting on the ambits of reciprocation would go a long way. But here's the tricky part. Desire to reciprocate is not necessarily in proportion to the original benefit provided. You know, there's a moment you can actually look at it and say to yourself, can I possibly get the same level or proportion of reciprocation to the original benefits? Maybe not. Robert Cialdini provides an example in his book, Influence, The Psychology of Persuasion talks about an example of reciprocation in car sales. Car salesmen typically offer prospects a small gift up front. Go to a proper garage or a car sales shop. When they walk up to you, the gentleman or the salesperson will be wearing a very nice suit and uh, with a tie. The first thing he says, can I get you a coffee? Would you like a soda? Would you like some water? Do you want some cookies? Is there anything I can do to make you more comfortable? If you walk into a top jewelry store in any part of the world, it's the same thing the salesman will say to you. Can we get you something to drink? Because they know that for you to walk through those doors, you must be able to. They'll size you up. And they know that you are definitely one of such that would afford a single piece of jewelry or whatever they are selling in that store. So they would typically offer a small gift up front. It could be coffee. You think that small coffee they are giving to you is nothing. Of course, coffee is nothing, but it's a softener. You would also be more considerate and open to align. It's a foundation to create some form of friendship and an alliance. 
So if you are in a business and you don't understand reciprocation, your business will not go far. It seems like a common gesture of hospitality. It is not. Accepting the small offer creates a psychological need to reciprocate and subtly stacking the deck in the salesman's favor. You can equally do this. You know, I, I talked about um, some two years ago, I think it was December 20, was it December 2020, thereabouts. I was uh, seeing my family off. Uh, they were traveling for Christmas. And um, here we were, uh, the driver just pulled up and we're taking the bags out of the car. And uh, I escorted them to the gate and they went in. They went in, checked in, and they left. So I came back just after I dropped them off. And whilst I was waiting for my driver to make the rounds and pick me up again, there were about five officers that accosted me. They were always at the top of the um, departure lounge or departure terminal of the airport. And they usually would say, Ah, Oga, do Christmas for us. That is, Oga, let us feel your presence. It's Christmas. So I looked at them and I said to them, don't you guys think that for once that you could actually be the ones to say to me, can I get you a coffee? Or say to me, sir, can we get you, whilst you're waiting for a driver, can we get you a seat? Or can we do something to make you a bit more comfortable? But you're coming to ask. And I took them up on it. And I said, what if each of you had come to me and said to me, we know you because two or three of them said, we know you, sir. Um, I know you from so-so-so place. You are my ogre. And then each of you decide to put together a gift for me for Christmas to say, Merry Christmas. Do you know I'll be very bewildered and excited? The guy who said he knew me there instantly turned and to his colleagues. There were seven of them. And said, you know what? Let's give ogre something for Christmas. What I say to you, I say it with every sense of humility and grace to God. Uh, I lie not. And they all chipped in 500 naira each. There was 3,500 naira. And the guy said, Merry Christmas, sir. We heard and we understand everything you said. So at that point, I looked at them and I said, that's very good. I took the gift they gave to me, the 3,500, coming from policemen after my short lecture, while waiting for my driver to come to me. And I asked for the senior uh, policeman amongst them. He gave me his details, his contact, and his account number. And I said to them, expect something from him. I drove off, and I sent a gift to him for all of them, which was that each one, each family, should send a gift of 5,000 naira. I sent them 35,000 naira, meaning 5,000 in seven places that each family should go by themselves a live, like we say, a live fowl, a live chicken and for Christmas for their families. Now, he didn't expect it, but I tell you, that was reciprocation. It was just a way of creating an alliance. It was another way of creating a friendship simply because it underlies human cooperation. Reciprocation in business is very key. But I tell you, each of those officers that met me and the message thereafter never forgot. The image of that Christmas ever stayed in them. So each time I got to the airport, they will always come to, to say, hello, sir. At one point, I'll tell you what happened. Another officer came to me and said, oh, God, anything for your boys. One of the men corrected him and said, it is blessed to give and not to receive. These were coming from Nigerian police force officers. And it was just that encounter that enabled that spirit of reciprocation. Why am I selling you all of this? It's because it seems like a common gesture of hospitality. It is not. Accepting a small offer creates a psychological need to reciprocate. Let me put a caveat. I'm not talking about bribery. I'm not talking about facilitation. That's not what it is here at all. We're talking within the ambits of absolute business and absolute conversations and alliances between people and friends or folks who never met themselves before but have by the ambits of their gesture. Prospective car buyers 
who accept the free offer would almost far more likely purchase a vehicle, even add optional accessories, and agree to less attractive financing terms. Why? You would find that because of that whole solidarity in that psychological space. Can I get you a coffee? Would you like a soda? Is there anything that I can do to make you more comfortable? They are social gestures that drive a force, a force called reciprocation. So if you are in sales and you do not understand the art and science of reciprocation, you need to go to a school. And that school of thought will give you what a proper and thorough customer experience can be. These days with technology, we lose the humanness of all of these because we think we can do everything via technology. It can never replace the humanity that we have. can never replace human cooperation. Friends, as a result of all of these examples, customers will spend thousands of naira more than the people who did not accept anything from the salesman while negotiating. That doesn't make rational sense because the coffee or the cookies or biscuits cost the dealer very little or nothing. But reciprocation makes it more likely that the buyer will pay back the favor with a much larger concession. The more legitimate value you can provide to others up front in business, the more receptive they'll be when it's time for your pitch. Providing free value builds your social capital, making it more likely the people you benefit will, making it more likely the people you benefit will reciprocate when you make an offer down the road. So my dear friends, I'm letting you understand that being generous is one of the best things you can do to improve your results as a salesperson. As an executive, everyone is a salesperson. There's something you are selling. By giving away value and helping others as much as you can, they will respect you. It will build your reputation. But it will also increase the probability that they will be interested enough when you present your manifesto, your call to action, your menu bag, and all the things you have in what I call your little speech or pitch because at the end of it, it's all about closing. Like I said to you in one of the editions, always be closing. The ABC of a sale is always be closing. When you don't close the sale, the sale never happened in the first place. Friends, at this juncture, I'm going to step into another concept that may or may not be so palatable because many of us don't like to face it. It's called the persuasion resistance. I deliberately went to reciprocation before this. So you can see that whenever you have a resistance, when people are resisting what you're offering, the fact remains that you have not been able to do the things that you should do. So I'm giving you an answer before I, I throw something at you called persuasion resistance. One of the things that makes prospects uncomfortable around salespeople is the feeling that they are going to get their hard sell or they are going to trick them into agreeing to something that's not in their best interest. That experience is what I call the persuasion resistance. And it's a major barrier to making sales. When a prospect senses that someone is trying to convince or compel them to do something they are not sure about, they automatically resist and attempt to move away from the conversation. This is particularly true in situations where the salesperson is trying to force a choice or limit the prospect's available options in some way. One of the reasons I decided to keep this part to this end, we are now in a season when we are about to choose political leaders. And some people are going on overdrive. I have never experienced such 
a deluge of potential presidential candidates like we have now. The good, the bad, the ugly. And some, not even within the frame of the good, the bad, the ugly. But everyone needs, wants a form of recognition. But in the hearts of many Nigerians, particularly on WhatsApp groups, if you belong to different groups on platforms, you'll find the same electorate, the same citizens in the form of the good, the bad, and ugly. There is a strong persuasion resistance. Some candidates have noticed it because the prospects being the electorate, being you and I as citizens, are very uncomfortable. Now, why? Because these political leaders have become such that they are selling to us some very hard things that we can not comprehend. So, when it's prospect senses that someone is trying to convince or compel them to do something they are not sure about, they automatically resist and attempt to move away from the conversation. Many times you find the elite being very guilty of this. And it's so very much rampant in our polity now. Psychologists call this reactance and it appears in early childhood. Every parent has experienced a fallout of telling a child they can't or they have to do something. Prospects react in much the same way when a salesperson attempts to pressure a sale. Like some groups are trying to pressure selling certain candidates to us to be presidents or governors or whatever. There's a reaction. Psychologists call it reactance. Nigerians are in a reactance type of mode, resisting out of an instinct to preserve their autonomy. So the harder the parties, the salespersons, the supposed candidates push and continue to push, the more the prospect resists, the more Nigerians will resist certain Nigerians, but they are all polarized. That's why hard sell approaches usually fail to generate sustainable results. Let us look at what Zig Ziglar says, you know, that the more effective strategy is to present yourself to the prospect as an assistant buyer. Your job is not to sell the prospect a bill of goods, so stop selling an overused vehicle called a candidate that has been anything in the political sphere of Nigeria in the last four decades. They are the problem of the country. So when you sit back and you are selling such a candidate, you are selling an overused good. Your job is not to sell the bill of goods called that overused good. It is to help them make an informed decision about what's best for them. You are not pressuring them to give you their money or to give you their vote. You are helping them to ensure they invest their resources wisely. And what is this resource? It is what we call the basic tenets of reinterpretation. Reinterpretation of your role in the sales process works. It eliminates the prospect's feeling of pressure by convincing them you're looking out for their best interests. I wish that our political gladiators would learn there's something called persuasion resistance. And being a subject matter expert in marketing, I look at most of the candidates, and while some people will tell you that every brand is still sellable, repairable, and resold, I will tell you you can only try once. After that, you toss it away. There are some brands and products that should not even come out of the limelight. It is what is triggering a lot of persuasion resistance, especially around the political gladiators who are going for the jugular. They all want to be presidents. I've never seen a retinue of governors, past governors, past senators, all jumping into one simple boat and they want to be president. Some of them have not even paid salaries. Of their, They have nothing to write, no legacy. And yet they want to govern a people under the Federal Republic of Nigeria. Desperation and chasing. Yeah, at this point in time, they say it's not your business 
let us go about our delegates. Yes, it is our business because we are the prospects. You are the salespeople. They are missing a major tenet of salesmanship because when you are throwing signals that trigger persistent resistance, i.e. desperation and chasing for whatever product you're selling, then what you're doing is reducing the number and the size of the transactions you close. If a business prospect feels that you are desperate to make a sale, it diminishes their interest in a matter of seconds. Desperation is a subtle signal that other people don't find your offer desirable. And social proof starts working against you. There are a lot of candidates that social proofs are working against them already. In the same way that people don't want to date a person who desperately wants to be in a relationship, prospects don't want to do business with a person who desperately wants or needs their money. It's much better to present yourself with confidence in a way that signals your offer is valuable. It's a good fit for the prospect and will be a wise investment of the prospect's money. If you don't generally believe that, you need to find someone else to sell. Friends, this is where we'll have to draw the curtains on today's edition. We'll be back on Thursday as we look at still under the ambits of the discipline of sales. And this is a, a business school where we look at all of these concepts and relate them with real-life issues. As I'm leaving the saddle now, please do not involve yourself in chasing prospects. They will always move away from you. Don't go away from Navigate with ID. This is where you'll always get the business side of things. And of course, I hope this serves you pretty well. Well, friends, it's time to move on. And if you have questions and you want to follow me, do so. My social media handle is at I-D-Y-E-N-A-N-G across the spectrum of uh, the platforms. And of course, if you want to send an email, please do to contact at navigatewithid.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back on Thursday as we continue in our discipline of sales. Goodbye. And that was Navigate with ID. Brought to you by Corporate Shepherds.